Happy Monday, Liberty Kitty Cats. And before we get into today's flagship Lions of Liberty podcast episode, I got to tell you a little thing or two about our amazing sponsors at the North Spokane Hemp Company. You can find them at NorthSpokaneCBD.com, and they are here to fill all your CBD needs. If you have aches, if you have pains, if you have inflammation, if your dog has any of these things, guess what? They got products for pets as well. If you have any of these things, this is not a medical advice show. We do not give medical advice, but many, many people have reported success using CBD to help aches, pains, insomnia, and all sorts of things. I encourage you to do your own research, but if you have and you're looking to try some CBD products, there's no better place to go than the North Spokane Hemp Company. Why, you may ask? Well, it's run by a libertarian, for one. For two, you get to support your favorite podcast by giving us a little kickback every time you order and use discount code Lions, which leads me to number three, which is that you get 15% off your order when you use the discount code Lions. Not only that, you get free shipping nationwide for any order over $50. Do not miss out. Go to North Spokane. That's S-P-O-K-A-N-E, NorthSpokaneCBD.com. Be sure to use discount code Lions at checkout. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. All right, my guest today, he has been a mayor, he's been a U.S. senator, a governor, he's also been a Republican, a Democrat. An independent, and he has recently found his home in the Libertarian Party, where he is currently seeking their nomination for U.S. president in 2020. I'm very pleased to welcome Mr. Lincoln Chafee. Lincoln, are you ready to roar? Ooh, that sounds like you're ready. It sounds like you've been ready for a while. Uh, now, Mr. Chafee, you're new to the Libertarian Party. Uh, you're new to this show, and you're new to much of this audience. So I, I kind of want to get started just by learning more about you and where you came from. So I'm curious what first inspired you to get involved in politics. My dad was in politics, and I saw how much he loved it. He loved his work and uh, started as a state representative and then uh, became governor and senator himself. Had some setbacks along the way, as uh, comes with this uh, occupation, uh, but I saw how much he loved it. And uh, I, after college, I worked on the horse racetrack for seven years. And then when I came back to Rhode Island, uh, I got involved in very local races and moved from there. What did you view as kind of the motivation to be involved in politics? Did you, did you view it as sort of just a public service? Uh, what, what did you get out of it? Or what did you see maybe in your father that inspired you to pursue the same path? Uh, it's a job that somebody's got to do, and I saw how much my dad enjoyed it, uh, working with people and listening uh, and getting things done, and uh, I, I wanted to be involved in my community, and there was an opening to run for the first office I ran for was to be a delegate to our constitutional convention. We have a constitutional convention uh, every 10 years, and it was nonpartisan. And I think 10 of us ran for it. And I got that. That was my start. And I did like it and uh, then went to the city council and went up from there. What did you like most about it? Was it just kind of meeting people, getting out there, uh, finding out what people were interested in? I mean, what really motivated you to continue to pursue this path, which, of course, you would, you would achieve much higher levels in, in the political arena? Well, maybe it sounds corny, but I do believe it. Uh, just making it better for future generations, uh, listening to different testimony and then uh, making decisions that, in, in my view, uh, make the community better uh, for our children and grandchildren. 
So I want you to take us on a little bit of your journey over the years. Uh, as uh, as we mentioned at the top, there you've been through various different political parties. Um, what was it that has had had has always caused a shift for you? Um, you you ended up running uh, as an as a Democrat for their for the primary, I believe, mostly to try to get that anti war message out there. What first led you to the Republican Party, and why did you end up leaving that party? Well, when I got involved in the Republican Party, uh, it was known as the party that took care of the books, it did no deficits. Uh, it let people live their lives as they see fit. Uh, and it was a small government party. And uh, Rhode Island's a very democratic state, so it was always an uphill battle. Rhode Island might be one of the dem- most democratic states in the country. They vote the highest for Al Gore or John Kerry of any of the 50 states. So very, very democratic state. And I liked being part of a insurgent small band uh, of good government people. Uh, but over the years, uh, the Republican Party started to change. They start to uh, put their values on other people, whether it's gay rights or uh, immigrant rights. Uh, and and the worst of all, uh, they got into deficits. So huge deficits were run up uh, under Republicans. And they used to want be the ones with the green eye shades, uh, taking care of the books, making sure there were no deficits. And then, of course, the wars, uh, were uh, the Iraq war came under Bush and Cheney and all the Republicans. So it was a pleasure to leave that party. So did you really, did you see the party kind of more leaving your, leaving you? Uh, like you're, you're, you agreed with a lot of what was in their platform, but you saw a lot of that was being ignored. Uh, they weren't, weren't really standing for what they were supposed to stand for. And then I, I got to imagine, because they're so passionate about the anti-war issue, that, that the Iraq war and, and that whole thing was maybe, was that sort of the last straw for you? Absolutely. Yes. The deficit's uh, when I came, went to the Senate, we had surpluses and a peaceful world. And so those two things together, and they do go together because these wars are so expensive. Kaboom went the uh, deficits. And uh, the, the biggest strategic mistake in American history was done by Republicans invading Iraq. And the lies, the lies are so associated with Saddam Hussein being a threat to the United States of America. It was just preposterous. And he had weapons of mass destruction. They, they all lied, every one of them. Bush, Cheney, Condoleezza Rice, Colin Powell, Don Rumsfeld, all of them. And, and that, that, that was enough for me. I, I was done with that party. I'm curious at the time, did you see through those lies at the time? Did you feel you were being lied to? Because a lot of politicians nowadays, they'll, they'll sort of apologize for voting for the Iraq war or for supporting it. But they'll all say, well, look, we were just going off what we were told. Uh, we had to believe what they were telling us. How did you feel during that time? Well, I came up through the Vietnam era, so I was very reluctant to get anywhere close to another quagmire. So I did my homework, and I just never believed that Saddam Hussein was a threat to the United States of America. And I even went, Mark, down to the CIA on my own, just by myself, no staff or anything, went down, uh, made an appointment, and asked, I've got a vote on this, uh, show me everything you have. And there was nothing. And the first sign that made me suspicious is when I went into the office for my appointment, it wasn't the director or the assistant director or associate director that was meeting with me. And I'm looking around, where's George Tennant? It was mid-level people, about 20 mid-level people. They took me into a conference room and rolled out some satellite pictures and a few things. And it was just totally unconvincing. And even they, through their body language and uh, everything, just they knew there was nothing there. And so when people say, oh, the flawed intelligence, they're wrong. There was no intelligence. This was for some other reason, the neocons or whatever they wanted to do to get into Iraq. And it's been an unmitigated disaster. 
makes me angry. So you, you were obviously suspicious right from the beginning. If you were willing to go, you know, make an appointment. I didn't, I didn't even know you could do that. Uh, make an appointment with the CIA and actually just ask to see the evidence. And uh, you saw that it was flimsy from the beginning. Do you, do you feel that other colleagues of yours at the time were simply just going along to get along with that kind of thing, or was there maybe an equal amount of suspicion? But they just said, "Well, you know, this is this is what this is where things are going, and we're not going to rock the boat." I, I I believe that it's the the latter that they they knew many of these senators knew this was all cooked up uh, and preposterous that Saddam Hussein's a threat to us but it, just the momentum the mainstream media was behind it uh, and of course after nine eleven you didn't want to be uh, coddling terrorists and all these types of uh, accusations that were were used I think many of the senators knew. Uh, that Saddam Hussein did not have weapons of mass destruction. And as you said, go along to get along. Uh, and look at all the, the, one, the people that had ambition, whether it's Hillary Clinton or John Kerry or John Edwards, remember him? All the ones that had ambition, they all voted for him. The, the 23 of us out of 100 that voted against us, they were the older people, either it was Robert Byrd or Ted Kennedy, or people that didn't really have national ambitions. Right, either they'd been around so long and their seat was seat was safe, or uh, they just didn't didn't care to you know, which is, which is very a sad a sad commentary on the state of politics, at least at that national level, that decisions seem to be being made by the highest elected officials that we have, uh, not based on what's actually best for the people or based on what they feel is right, but on how it's going to affect their career. How do you find yourself battling that influence and that and that sort of a temptation, I guess, in politics? I'm sure there's always the temptation to sell out. There's always lobbyists trying to meet with you. How have you battled that temptation? over the years and how would you continue to do so as if you rise in the libertarian party if you're able to uh, gain its, its presidential nomination how how are you able to sort of keep that that power and those temptations at bay well we started the interview with your question what motivates you to get involved and uh, i said uh, to make the community better for future generations and that's my that's my main motivation and if it cost me my job as it did in the senate i did not get reelected uh, that's fine uh, I know I made the, the right decision when I voted against the Iraq war and other decisions I've made. Uh, and I, I'd rather live with myself and know I made the right decision than keep my membership card in some uh, phony club <laughs> as all those phonies uh, voted for the Iraq war. Uh, speaking of membership cards, um, you do have an, a new membership card here uh, in the last year or so. You did decide to register and join the Libertarian Party. Of course, you're now seeking its presidential nomination, but I want to go back to your actual decision to switch over and to join the Libertarian Party. As I mentioned, you did uh, have a, a brief flirtation with the Democratic Party seeking its nomination, uh, but what, what made you decide to actually sign up for the Libertarian Party? Well, uh, the, the odyssey uh, after leaving the Republican Party was to run for governor as an independent, and, and I did get elected uh, as an independent. That's not easy, and I found out how hard it was, but I did make it. Uh, I think you uh, and Jesse Ventura might be almost the whole list there. Yeah, uh, Angus King in Maine. Uh, there's, there's not too many of us. Uh, there was one in Connecticut, Lowell Weicker. Right. There's not too many of us. It's very hard outside the two-party system. Uh, but once I got elected, it was... I wanted to have a be part of a party, have someone supporting me on some difficult decisions. I was just a solo practitioner. So I did, as you mentioned, uh, join the Democratic Party and got into their presidential race. And I saw how corrupt, and no one would argue with that, corrupt the process was between the Clinton uh, campaign and the DNC. The DNC was supposed to be uh, nonpartisan, but they were all in. And so was CNN giving her 
uh, questions to debates and things like that. The whole mainstream media, the whole establishment uh, was all in for Clinton. And uh, rightfully, she ended up losing the election. Uh, so corruption doesn't pay. Uh, and then, uh, so that was, I, I was happy to leave the Democratic Party. And when I moved to Wyoming, uh, I was registering to vote and looked up uh, the statement of principles of the Libertarian Party and uh, just going down uh, one after another, anti-deficit, anti-war, for gay rights, uh, against capital punishment, against torture, uh, end the drug war, uh, free trade, on and on it went. And uh, I, I was very, very happy uh, to have a party that shared so many of my values and values that I've worked hard for and paid the price for uh, uh, capital punishment and crony capitalism, and some of these things that I have fought for uh, constitutional liberties. Uh, sometimes I've had to pay the price politically for that. So I was happy to say, here's my, here's my home. And I know uh, joining the party that uh, I'm a newbie and there's a lot of distrust for people that come in uh, new. Uh, so I'm working hard to earn, libertarians trust. So when you first joined the party, it sounds like, I mean, you weren't necessarily plotting to make some big deal out of this. I mean, I don't think it was even reported right away. This was just a decision that you made because it was time to register to vote. And you said, okay, well, I can either sign up for no party or maybe I can be an independent or, but you decided you'd actually just looked at an issue by issue basis and said, well, I actually do agree with these libertarians. So I may as well you know, sign up for them. Yes. And it was about three or four or five months after I registered as a libertarian before some reporter bumped into me at lunch back in Rhode Island and was asking me what I'm up to. I moved to Wyoming, I registered to vote out there. And he asked the right question. Well, how do you register to vote? And, uh, and I said, libertarian. And he put it in the Boston Globe and that's how it got out. About five months I believe, after I registered to vote. So this was not even you looking to make any kind of media splash saying Lincoln Chafee has, has joined the Republican or joined the Libertarians. This was actually just something you did sort of quietly on your own that eventually came out when you ran into the right reporter who asked the right questions. Yes. And then people started getting in touch with me. Libertarians started getting in touch. And right. Uh, and I started getting involved, and that led to the, this run. So, I mean, you mentioned uh, that libertarians can often be skeptical of people that are just coming to the party, uh, that are new to the party. There's often a level of distrust. Uh, how have you found your specific reception uh, upon entering the party, and what led to you to decide to uh, so soon to join the party to seek its presidential nomination? I think the libertarians that got in touch with me after it was in the Boston Globe that I had become a libertarian uh, were interested if I had any ambition. Uh, and obviously, I've been in different political offices. I did run for president as a Democrat against uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, so it, 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 I do have ambition. And uh, if the opportunity is there, and I start going around to different states and meeting with libertarians and uh, listening and uh, having them ask me hard questions, which uh, libertarians like to do, which I applaud and good, uh, welcome. Uh, and, Don't worry, the uh, hard part's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. And uh, and uh, I thought I had something to offer to the party and to our country uh, by bringing my resume, if you will, and experiences and uh, some of the uh, some of the scars that I have uh, had inflicted on me by fighting for libertarian principles, whether it's burning the flag or against torture or uh, some of these international issues that. Uh, uh, against war, for, against deficits. Uh, I, I have some battle scars. Uh, and, and so that's what I bring to the campaign. 
for president. So, so this was more, uh, this is more a process that sort of unfolded naturally. You sort of signed up quietly on your own, not thinking too much of it. And then as that came out and people started to hear, Oh, Lincoln Chafee's joined the party. Uh, people actually came and reach out to you and, and sort of just tried to recruit you to, to run for president. Is that right? Yes. And there are a lot of good people that also are looking for the, uh, libertarian nomination. And so that's the way it should be. Uh, uh, give the delegates some choices and, and uh, we'll, we'll move forward in 2020. So I'm curious, uh, since obviously you're, you've been meeting with party activists, people that have been in this party for a long time, that people that have been immersed in the philosophy of the libertarian philosophy for a long time. I'm curious, first of all, what do you love the most about the libertarian philosophy? This is uh, obviously there's so many people that are, are passionate about this, that they spend uh, every waking hour uh, doing crazy things like knocking on doors, canvassing, recruiting candidates, podcasting. Uh, so what, what do you love the most about this philosophy that you're still maybe learning, learning about as you go? Well, the main thing for me, having come through the Vietnam era and then seeing us get into another quagmire in Iraq, is the anti-war. And of course, also we're up to $23 trillion in deficits. And then as Edward Snowden pointed out, our constitutional liberties have been compromised. These are, the, these are what's happening to our country. And both parties are guilty. Both parties are guilty for the deficits, for the wars, for compromising our liberties. Uh, Democrats and Republicans are both guilty. And we need a new way forward. I have children. I care about the future. And I, I'm not, our country's coming off the rails. When you, endless wars, immoral wars. Uh, Saddam Hussein did not have weapons of mass destruction. It was a big lie. And uh, that's what motivates me. And also, uh, there's those three issues, deficits, the wars, constitutional liberties, but most of all, the lies from our government. That, that, that's unacceptable. Sure. I mean, that is your, your campaign slogan it is lead with truth or uh, perhaps led with truth if you're vermin supreme. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I'm also curious, as you've been learning about this more, this philosophy, and you've been going through the platform, uh, meeting people, getting asked the hard questions. Are there any elements of the Libertarian Party party platform that you either disagree with or maybe you have some questions about? Are, are there certain issues that you can't just fully jump on board with right away, even though you are here learning and sort of listening and, and absorbing it all as you go? Yes, the philosophy is very important. And uh, I, I do believe that I've lived my political career uh, with the philosophy. Let people live their lives as they see fit. And I have a long voting record uh, of that, of letting people do that. And standing up sometimes against the, the majority uh, to profess that right to live your life as you see fit. And, and then just take care of the books. Leave us alone. Take care of the books. Protect our First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment. Tenth Amendment rights, uh, and leave us alone. Hey, hey, kitty cats, I got to take a quick break from today's episode to tell you a little bit more about today's sponsors at the North Spokane Hemp Company. You can find them at NorthSpokaneCBD.com. And if you have any interest in trying CBD products, if you've had aches, if you've had pains, if you're getting a little up there and your joints are starting to hurt like sometimes they do for me, you might want to try out some CBD. We are not a medical advice show. We are not going to give you medical advice. I encourage speaking to your doctor about CBD and doing your own research. But if you have done so and you decide you would like to try it, you got to head over to North Spokane. That's Spokane, S-P-O-K-A-N-E, NorthSpokaneCBD.com. They've got everything you could want. They've got flour. They've got tincture. They've got CBD for pets. They've got everything. And you get 15% off when you use discount code LIONS to help support this show. What more is there to ask for? Head over to NorthSpokaneCBD.com and do not forget to use your privileges as a listener of this program by using discount code LIONS at checkout. 
All right. What are, I'm curious. You say you get a lot of hard questions from other libertarians. I might have a few lined up here from some of our Patreon supporters. But first, I just want to ask you, what are some of the hardest questions that you receive from other libertarians as you're going through this process of seeking the nomination and, you know, getting more involved in the party? Well, having been a mayor and a governor, of course, as an executive, uh, you have to pay for what you buy. And that means taxes. Uh, that's always a tough question from libertarians. And um, so I'm going to I'm going to guess you may have been asked if taxation is theft before. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and what then, is your response to that right now? I don't like taxes any more than the next person. Uh, and uh, I've had some success in politics by keeping them down, providing services, the essential services that people want and keeping taxes down. The last time I my fourth term as mayor, I won, even though I was the first Republican in 32 years, uh, that, that was, it was a very, very democratic city. I won every ward in every district in the city. So I must have been doing something right. Even the most democratic wards in the most democratic districts, uh, I, I carried uh, them in my last run. So I must have been doing something right, keeping the taxes down, providing the services. People want the snow plowed, the garbage picked up. They want clean water coming out of the tap. Uh, they want the schools good. Uh, I was able to do that. So that, that's the pitch I give to libertarians. I will keep your taxes down and give the, you these, the essential services. But I know what a lot of my audience is thinking right now. They're thinking, but Lincoln, is it theft? <laughs> so I have to ask well, the follow-up. It's theft if it's an immoral war, for sure. I mean, the Iraq war is costing us $6 trillion and creating a whole new generation of veterans that are expensive and that we should be taking care of with tax dollars. That is theft. That's a lie. That is theft. So is it is it to you, is it more about the sort of the, I guess, the truthfulness of, of what the money is being taken for and, and then what it is being used for, as opposed to the actual, you know, taking of the money itself? Yes. And I'd say what Edward Snowden uh, pointed out, that our government is not adhering to the Fourth Amendment. They're not getting the warrants that are required. That's theft. Anybody that's uh, governments that are doing that, there's another example of theft. And that, it goes back to your question. It's, it's about honesty. Mm -hmm. You can be honest with the constituents, tell them what we're pay spending their dollars for, uh, and they'll be they'll vote for us or vote us out of office as long as you're honest with them. All right. I want to hit on a couple quick key issues real quick. We don't have a ton of, ton of time left with you, but I just want to go give maybe just a 30 second to a minute answer on these certain issues that are certainly going to be there's issues that are important to libertarians and issues that you'll definitely be out there talking about, whether it's on the campaign trail just for this nomination or for the actual presidency. Uh, but I want to get your thoughts on the war on drugs. How do you address the issue of the war on drugs? I've been a longtime proponent of ending the war on drugs. And as a senator, I traveled through South America seeing how our war on drugs is working. And it's not. It's a huge waste of money. What we're doing are three things, eradication, substitution, and interdiction. And all, none of those three are working. The eradication program just, you know, spraying the crops, the, the cocoa crops, uh, that just makes them mad. And the interdiction, all our efforts to uh, uh, intercept uh, the drug uh, trade across the borders. That's not working either. People find a way. And then substitution. Uh, it, it, it's, they're making more money with the drugs. It's time to just legalize it, as other countries are doing, Portugal and um, uh, uh, the country down, one of the countries down in South America is doing more with uh, decriminalization. And it's working. So I have a good record on that. 
Hope I didn't go over my 30 seconds. No, that's all good. There's no timers here. Uh, what about foreign policy? Obviously, you've, you've talked about a number of times how you're anti-war, but what would you actually your your policy prescription as president or as a presidential candidate would be? Uh, would you bring would you end all the current wars? Would you bring the troops home? What's your actual prescription of what you would do under the auspices of what you can control as commander in chief? Yes, just to go back, the Uruguay is the country that is ah, doing, yes, a Uruguay, lot, yep. really doing a lot of good yep. work on the war on drugs and what they're, how they're dealing with it. Uh, my philosophy on, uh, on foreign policy is we all share this planet. It's Martin Luther King when he talked about living in the neighborhood. And, uh, and where do we go from here was his great book, A Chaos or Community. And uh, I believe in what Martin Luther King advocated and. Uh, listening is the main thing. We, we all not alike all across around the world. And listen to people in the neighborhood, whether it's in Afghanistan or people that live there, uh, the other countries, Tajikistan and Pakistan and even Iran, the, all the border countries of what's in Afghanistan, figure out a way and then get the heck out of there. Uh, there's other people that live there. It's not like the Russians who just pull out or how we pulled out of uh, Cambodia and, and the killing fields occurred. Uh, there's a better way. And it's, it goes with diplomacy. It goes with listening. And, and that's my view of foreign policy. So you'd like to end the aggressive wars, but you wouldn't necessarily snap a finger and bring everybody home. You would sort of look at things situation by situation and see what makes sense in terms of safety on the ground and that sort of thing. Yes. And uh, we, we do have allies and I want more of them and under Bush and Cheney. And uh, unfortunately, Hillary Clinton is Secretary of State. All this arrogance, and now Trump, it's just, it's just so arrogant. America's arrogance uh, does not build alliances. And so both parties are guilty, and uh, we've got to change that. More alliances make it easier for when we do get out of these uh, war zones. Mr. Chafee, as you know, the topic of guns and gun control are, are very important to many libertarians. Uh, I'm sure I don't need to recap with you. You were on Kennedy's show uh, recently and gave an answer that I'm, I'm sure you got a lot of feedback on uh, that a lot, a lot of libertarians weren't necessarily thrilled with. Uh, way back in the day, uh, you did actually get an F at one point from the NRA. So I want to know, what is your stance on guns as a, as a presidential candidate? But I'm, more, I'm curious as well, has your stance on guns uh, evolved at all since joining the Libertarian Party and speaking with activists that are so passionate about this issue? Yes, I do have a record, a voting record in the Senate, and that's, uh, I don't know, 18 years ago. And uh, times have changed since those votes were taken. Back then, people trusted their government, uh, and now they don't, and legitimately so. They, they shouldn't trust their government. They lied to us about weapons of mass destruction. They've lied to us about Afghanistan. The Afghanistan papers show there's no end in sight. They lied to us about what Edward Snowden pointed out. These are big issues. And so the people are angry, and I see it even in Rhode Island. I mean, Second Amendment used to not be a big issue in Rhode Island, and thus it was politically okay to, make, to cast those votes back there 18 years ago when I was in the Senate. But things have changed now, even in Rhode Island. You give a Second Amendment rally, and it, it's massive, and it's because people don't trust the government. And I do believe that the authors of the Constitution wrote the First Amendment, wrote the Second Amendment, wrote the Fourth Amendment, for when you don't trust your government. So I do believe uh, times have changed since I cast those votes. And and I, I, I can pledge to libertarians that I will protect their Second Amendment rights. So your, has your, your opinion has changed as well as, as along with those times, would you say, on the gun issue? Yes, yes. And with, I've been lied to also. I'm, I'm just as angry. 
All right, Mr. Chafee, I'd love to hit a couple questions from our Patreon supporters real quick. These are the people that fund the show, that keep this thing going, and they had a few questions for you. So I'm just going to try to get to as many as we can before you got to run here. The first is from Adam Choi. He wants to know, would you consider running for Senate or governor as a Libertarian Party candidate, presuming, of course, if you didn't become the president of the United States in these next this next year here? One thing I've learned is once you set your mind on something, don't get diverted. And right now I'm running for the Libertarian nomination. That's I'm putting all my energies, all my thought uh, into uh, that quest. And it is a, it's a, it's a hard quest. I, I understand that libertarians have a lot of, uh, apprehension about someone new, but I've got to give all my energy into this effort. All right. Remzo Martinez, he wants to know, he said on, on Larry Sharp's show, you suggested Medicare for all as a solution to healthcare. So how do you see Medicare for all aligning with libertarian values? Well, all I know is, uh, when you have people going to the emergency room for their primary care, that's a disaster. It, it, it's just a disaster. It's a five-hour wait. Uh, the shifts change. Doctors come and go. One doctor that saw you one minute, his, his shift has changed, or a nurse, their shift has changed. Getting primary care out of the emergency room is a disaster. So I'm just looking for something better than that. Do you, do you see a conflict uh, advocating for a federal government that is controlling a large portion of the healthcare market as conflicting with libertarian values at all, though? Well, the insurance companies, uh, they're a disaster also. They're always changing what uh, what they cover and what they don't cover. And it's hard to separate I them from the government at some point as well. You know? Yes, yes. And there's just got to be a better way. Angela McArdle is curious. She wants to know what libertarian philosopher or author has influenced you the most. Are, are there any, is there anybody you've encountered in your journey here since you've joined the Libertarian Party that has really been an influence on your on your beliefs and on your philosophy? A good question. Uh my hero, I mentioned Martin Luther King. He's, I don't know if you call him a libertarian, but uh, freedom fighters uh, have always motivated me. Uh, and Martin Luther King is at the top of the list. I got one more question from Ben Pangy. I believe he saw you at the Georgia convention. And he said at that convention, uh, you said we can't be Switzerland, uh, as, as Joe Jorgensen suggested, one of your fellow uh, candidates, because as the last real superpower of the world, we have duties. So he wants to know what are those duties? How are they paid for? And how is that different than the current paradigm than, than what are, you know, our, how our foreign policy uh, is currently being carried out? Well, leadership comes from, from your actions. And uh, by virtue of our economy, our military, our culture, uh, we're just uh, looked to uh, from around the world for leadership. And uh, your actions have to reflect uh, how you're going to conduct yourself on the world stage. And the, the president of the United States is going to be a world leader. That's just a fact. And it's your actions uh, that are going to dictate how people feel about the United States of America. And, uh, and we, I do believe we've gotten off the rails uh, since Bush and Cheney came in. And we, we have not lived up to our status as this world leader. It, it's embarrassing to me many times. It, it, we need a change. And the third party, it's time for a third party uh, to, to show that change. So we're going, we are going to lead uh, in our actions uh, that respect other people. Well, Lincoln, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on the show, giving honest answers to all these questions. I'm sure you get hard questions, that, like as you mentioned yourself, all the way through this process, uh, meeting libertarians. Uh, there's one last thing I want to give you the opportunity to sort of give one last pitch. You know, many people that listen to the show are, are, are passionate libertarians. That they are, many of them are active within the Libertarian Party. Many are even delegates at the convention. So I want to give you this chance to give one pitch to delegates, to anybody who's going to be influencing this process of why you should be the one representing the Libertarian Party and the libertarian philosophy in 2020? Because as you mentioned earlier, many libertarians are skeptical of people that are new to the party, especially 
considering the last few campaigns, many people weren't happy with a lot of the messaging that came through from those campaigns, uh, especially I, I think in some cases, like in the case of Bill Well, they saw him coming in at the last minute, two weeks before the convention, uh, just kind of joining the party. He did stay involved for a little bit, but then he eventually left and went back right back to the Republicans. So I, I, you can maybe you can combine this all in, in sort of one pitch to everybody, but why will you be able to be not just a good candidate, but uh, someone who can convey the philosophy of liberty to the American people, a philosophy that you're still learning a lot about, but how will you be able to sort of please the people out there whose who's number one priority from a Libertarian Party presidential candidate is to be a conveyor of those ideas, is to be a champion of the ideas of liberty? How will you be able to serve that function for people that are looking for that in a candidate? Well, my campaign slogan is lead with the truth. And I think that's where everything starts. And I do have a 30-year record uh, of public service. And in those 30 years, I've had no scandals. So I live up to my slogan, uh, lead with the truth. I've, I've always been honest. And that's where it starts. And the issues that I care about are libertarian issues and the wars. Big libertarian issues. So happy to have a party because the other two parties are not uh, uh, wanting to uh, end these wars. And then the deficits, uh, balance these budgets. It's a libertarian ideal. And really, really important to me is our constitutional liberties. In the Senate, I took a lot of grief for voting against the flag burning amendment. All the veterans groups, the VFW, the uh, the, uh, the all the different military groups were saying they'd go to vote against me, but I, I still voted to, uh, for our right as under First Amendment free speech to uh, burn our flag. Uh, and so these are li many libertarian uh, areas that I have some scars from. As governor, I fought the crony capitalism. There was a baseball player, Kurt Schilling, that wanted to start a, a company. And the, my predecessor gave him $75 million of our taxpayer money, money. I was the one that fought that. So on libertarian issue after libertarian issue, uh, capital punishment, I would not hand over a, a, a prisoner as governor to the federal government to expose him to the death penalty. Uh, and people, the, the talk shows ripped me for that. So I have some scars from working for libertarian principles, and I will carry those forward as the nominee if, if the delegates see fit to nominate me. And I do think a lot of libertarians might have some scars, too, from feeling burned by previous presidential candidates. So can you assure delegates out there and just libertarians in general who might be skeptical of you coming in from the major parties that uh, can you ensure that you're not going to we're not going to see you and you know, join the Republicans, uh, you know, six months after the election, join the Democrats? Are you here to stay? Is the Libertarian Party your home? I will never go back to the Republican Party. I will never go back to the Democratic Party. And I will never say anything positive about Hillary Clinton. So, <laughs> well, that's when people are going to be happy I'm to happy, hear as well. I'm happy in an anti-deficit, anti-war, uh, pro-free trade, pro-gay rights, uh, against capital punishment. There's so many good things that I have lived in my life, my political life, uh, with the Libertarian Party. I'm very happy. And I'm happy to meet the people at these various conventions. I'm going to Orlando, uh, Florida tomorrow, meet more Floridian uh, Libertarians. Look forward to it. All right, Mr. Chafee. Well, I do really appreciate you again coming, taking the time, taking the tough questions, and uh, taking questions from our listeners as well. And I wish you all the best of luck on the campaign trail. And we'll see you. We'll see you in Austin because the Lions of Liberty team will be there. Best of luck. Thank you, Mark, very much. All right, Kitty Cats, that was Lincoln Chafee making his case for why he should be the Libertarian Party's presidential nominee. I will let you. Make up your own minds on this matter. However, if you are someone who really wants to hear my opinion on this, well, actually, I'll give you a brief opinion here first. Here's what I'd like to say about Lincoln Chafee, uh, about this interview. 
I just want to say this in this forum right now, that for a solid, I don't know, eight or nine month period, I attempted to get Gary Johnson on this show. This is in 2016. I attempted to get Bill Weld on this show. It's not for lack of context. I had their campaigns. Uh, I was actually in the ear of both their campaigns. I was able to talk to the, the people right underneath them that would be booking them on interviews, even got agreements for those interviews by voice or by email, uh, theoretically, but then upon following up, Never happened. Never happened. Never happened. So I want to give credit to Lincoln Chafee for it only took, I only had to ask one time, one time, and he came on and took questions from me and took questions from Lions of Liberty Pride for 30 minutes. And that is more than Gary Johnson or Bill Weld ever did. So I think he does deserve credit for coming on to a libertarian show, a show he knows is a libertarian show that is listened to by thousands and thousands of libertarians and took questions from the libertarian viewpoint. So I really think we should all have respect for that part. And I know that I will probably get a little feedback, uh, some negative for not pushing too hard or not jumping down his throat for certain things. But the fact is, at the end of the day, uh, anybody who's been listening to my interviews for years knows this, I treat my guests like exactly that. I treat my guests like they are guests. (laughs) I invite them here. I treat them respectfully. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of questions and answers that I would have loved to go deeper on. If I had three hours with Mr. Chafee, this would be a much different interview. But I had 30 minutes. I wanted to respect his time. And, uh, you know, the fact is, it doesn't make sense for me to go on a 30-minute rant about taxation being theft or something. I gave him the opportunities to answer the questions, and he did so. What you guys take from that, that's up to you guys. You're smart people. I think you can figure it out. But if anyone does want my extended thoughts, well, guess what? What a great time for you to dip your toe into the Lions of Liberty Pride to support us on Patreon. You can do that over at patreon.com slash lionsofliberty. And I did something a little special for this episode because I knew a lot of people would be listening and wanting to hear his answers to some libertarian questions and uh, libertarian ideas and this sort of thing. So I did a little something extra for the Pride and I actually did a director's commentary of this interview. It's the same interview you just heard, only it is paused at various points for my comments on the questions, on his answers, and that sort of thing. So if you want to check that out, head over over to patreon.com slash lions of liberty for as little as five dollars a month you get access to all of our bonus content and i'll even let you in on a little secret if you just want to hear my director's commentary of lincoln chafee you could sign up for the pride right now today for five dollars except here's the catch we're not going to charge you to april 1st and yes maybe i shouldn't be letting you know this but if you sign up now you get access to all that content if you cancel before april 1st You don't have to pay. You're never going to get charged. So you can actually give yourself a free preview if you like. Why am I telling you this? Because I have absolute confidence that once you join the Pride, you will be thrilled with the content that we put out and you will want to keep giving us your $5 or more a month. Of course, you can pledge all the way up to $100 a month in which point you get an ad on this program. So please, again, do check us out, patreon.com slash lionsofliberty. And when I say us, of course, if you're new to this program, it's not just me here with the flagship every Monday interviewing leaders in the libertarian movement. You also got Brian every single Wednesday smacking you upside the head with his very special and unique and absolutely insane at times brand of comedy, culture, and liberty on Electric Liberty Land. He just had a great interview with Nick Gillespie last week about uh, South Park, Rick and Morty, and all sorts of fun cultural things of that nature. While, of course, John Odie Odermatt wraps things up every single Friday with his hard-hitting and extremely inspirational look at the broken criminal justice system on Felony Friday. My friends, we're talking three podcasts for the price of one. That price is free. All you gotta do is hit that subscribe button so you get every single episode of the greatest libertarian variety show 
show on earth, Lions of Liberty. Until next time, my friends, live long and live free.